This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. Today is the amazing Amani Gandhi. She is the senior editor of Law and Policy for Rewired News Group, where she covers law and the courts and co-hosts the Rewired News Group podcast, Boom Lawyered. Uh, she's a recovering attorney turned award-winning journalist and political blogger, and she is here uh, regularly to help us make sense of the world which does not make sense, particularly when it comes to reproductive justice. Imani Gandhi, it is always a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So listen, we we have not yet reached that point where we can just key key and and laugh about the the happenings of the day. We're at a point now where uh, something you predicted has started to happen. And I am petty enough to be one of them. I told you so kind of sisters. Uh, So as we have this conversation, (laughs) feel free to tap into your inner petty uh, because Lord knows I certainly will. I recall um, perhaps maybe one of the first one or two times you came on these airwaves, we talked about the fact that when Republicans were able to successfully uh, end Roe versus Wade and the ability for pregnant people to terminate a pregnancy, that that was not really the end game. And the end game, in fact, was uh, really going after birth control, really taking the ability to completely dominate uh, women's bodies. And if this reporting uh, that we talked about for the first time yesterday, Yesterday at the University of Idaho is accurate. It appears, Imani, we might already be there. Uh, what did you think about this report? And, we, and for folks who missed the conversation yesterday, I talked about this briefly. We're essentially at a point right now where the University of Idaho has said that you are not going to be able to uh, talk about birth control. You cannot talk about abortion. Uh, there are some concerns that the, the general counsel uh, for the college has basically said that if you are accused credibly of engaging in this dialogue of promoting abortion, uh, that you might not only be fired from your University of Idaho position, you might face a ban, a lifelong ban from state employment period. When you hear reports like that, Imani, what does that do for your analysis? If nothing, you know, like for me, besides setting my hair on fire, what say you to something like that? I mean, I I say that it it was predictable. And this sort of thing was predictable even a decade ago after the Hobby Lobby decision, right? Because it was the Hobby Lobby decision um, that basically permitted uh, some closely held corporations from talking to their employees, from offering their employees birth control in their health insurance plans. And there were Mm. plenty of schools during that time, like University of Notre Dame and Wheaton College and a lot of these sort of more religiously incorporated schools or or schools that have sort of a religious underpinning that were saying, no, we're not going to, you're not allowed to talk to your students about birth control. You're not allowed to go to the student health center and get birth control. And now we're seeing this, I mean, and that was bad enough, but those were kind of, private schools and now we're seeing this in state public schools and the idea that you can get fired from your job for just talking to maybe someone in crisis who comes to you after i don't know perhaps a sexual assault or any other any other reason a person may not want to be pregnant but if you want to talk about how craven republicans are let's talk about those extreme cases right let's talk about the the sorority girl who is sexually assaulted at a party and goes to a counselor at University of Idaho, and that counselor's supposed to sit there and not explain to this 
person in crisis what their options are mm -hmm. under penalty of not only being fired, but not being able to work for the state anywhere. That's right. outrageous. What happened to the First Amendment, right? Like these people, these religious zealots are so concerned about their First Amendment rights when it comes to their freedom of religion to discriminate against people. But what about the First Amendment right to freedom of speech? Because we actually mm. have, as, as frequently as people misunderstand what freedom of speech is, right? They'll get on Twitter and talk about how they got fired from their job at Applebee's because they called someone the N-word and how that's, you know, a violation of their freedom of speech. <laughs> no, Applebee's is a private company. They can do whatever the hell they want. But if you're talking about a public institution, the University of Idaho, Idaho if you're talking about a, a, a state agencies that are going to refuse to hire people because of their speech, mm. what are we doing? What are, I don't, I mean, I understand what we're doing. We're moving towards a world where it is going to be white dominance over everybody else. We're moving to a world where LGBTQ people will have no rights. I mean, I understand where we're going. It's this, this Christo-fascist movement, this new project that's steeped in whiteness. And that project seeks to erase people who are not cisgender, people who are not white, people who are not male, people who are not Christian. And so mm. that leaves everybody else as second-class citizens. And what we're seeing is the University of Idaho telling its students, it's, you know, people who have uteruses at University of Idaho, that they're not worthy of full health care that everybody else, else is. And I think that's a really disturbing step forward towards where I said we were going to end up. Years ago, I've been saying this is where we're going to end up. And indeed, it's where we're ending up. So now that you, you've fully embraced uh, the, yeah, we said this, <laughs> like this, yeah. this was, this was not only predictable, it was predicted. Uh, and, and so yeah. now that we are here and, and let's think about what options people have. Obviously, if I'm a, a high school student, I'm thinking about going to college. If reproductive justice is important to me, or if I don't want to get stuck with a pregnancy um, that might happen, because frankly, pregnancies happen at college, then I'm going to have to consider, do I not apply to the University of Idaho? Do I not stay in state at all because of the overall ban, near total ban that the state of Idaho has? Are you, do you think we're going to see people moving with their feet? And that's for the students. But if I'm an employee of this institution, does this mean that my ability to get access to birth control is also negatively implicated? And Imani, you know, as a current consumer of birth control, it ain't cheap. Mm -hmm. And thank God for insurance. But if my insurance plan were no longer going to include my birth control, does this mean that I now have to come out of pocket for these services? That's exactly what it means. And what it means is that you're going to hear people on the opposing side say stuff like, oh, birth control is so cheap. Like, I'm not going to get concerned about the fact that you promiscuous sluts can't spend $28 a month on your pill packets, which, you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of attitude and mentality that they have to have in order to make their policies even seem even seem like they make sense from their own worldview. Because as we know, in actuality, something like nine. 99% of Catholic people, like the main organization that has been so opposed to uh, contraception, 99% of Catholic women use contraception. Wow. So what they've done, rather than trying to convince their own flock that contraception is evil and the same as abortion, or at least it comes from the same family as abortion, they can't convince their own people. So they're, what they're trying to do is to control the resources that these people access at the places where they congregate, whether it's 
you know, a, a, an, an employee employee situation, whether it's at school, they're trying to reduce the amount, the number of choices that people have in order to force them into parenthood, right? They're just trying to force people into parenthood. And then once they do that, it's all hand, all bets are off. And so one other in, completely bizarre thing I heard about, I think it was the university of Idaho, or maybe it was the university of Utah but they won't cover any of your contraception until your fifth child, not even your what? fifth pregnancy, your fifth child, unless there are some medical reasons and you have to go and ask for, you know, contraception to be covered. So mm -hmm. they really are not just reducing choices. They are forcing people into parenthood in ways that don't even make sense. There was mm -hmm. someone on Twitter who was talking about how they already had four kids and then, they had a fifth miscarriage and they were trying to figure out if that miscarriage counted as a child for purposes of this five wow. child. Rule. Wow. You know? And that's where it starts to become really interesting from a, from a anti-choice point of view, right? Because yes. if they're trying to force people to have children and if they're saying that a pregnancy is not a child, then that undercuts everything they've been saying about unborn children, right? About these, un about fertilized huh. eggs being unborn children. That's so right. they're getting into semantic screw ups and semantic spider webs that they can't untangle themselves from. And it's going to be interesting for me from like a nerd perspective, because I find the rapid change in law that's going on right now to be utterly fascinating, just from a constitutional perspective and also from a federalism perspective, right? We've got states that are now trying to go rogue from the federal government and mm. you know and i and i can sit back and find this all very chin strokey and interesting but this is having actual impact on people who need abortions who need contraception who can't necessarily afford to pick up and change schools or go to an out-of-state school because the the abortion policies in their state are terrible or the abortion policies in the state where they want to go are terrible they're just constricting so many choices and we're all second-class mm. citizens if you're not white, straight, male, and cis, you are a second-class citizen in this country. And I know in the audience, someone is saying, well, I'm black. I've already been a second-class citizen. Well, guess what? Now it's third, okay? Right, <laughs> right. You're third I mean, it's just citizen. getting worse. <laughs> it's just going to get worse for everybody. Wherever you were, you are now one step down. So you had mentioned the First Amendment. And and one of the things that I'm all, I'm very curious about I'm actually going to be uh, at, at some workshops over the next couple of days looking at sort of the balance of of weight as it pertains to the protections afforded by the 14th Amendment as opposed to the Second Amendment as opposed to the First Amendment. And it feels to me like we're in an era where as opposed to all of the amendments counting equally, the Second Amendment ranks supreme. Like we know that if there is a mm -hmm. question about the Second Amendment, that is going to far and above uh, be first place in terms of prioritizing uh, how it is applied over all the other amendments. Uh, we've got the First Amendment, yes, also very important, but we're seeing um, these many efforts from Republican uh, legislators uh, to squelch the capacity of the First Amendment. The University of Idaho is one such one such case. This is a public, state-funded, federal-funded as well um, institution. And if you're saying employees can't even talk about this, Imani, obviously this is a test case waiting to happen. Obviously there's going to be, mm -hmm. well, no, I shouldn't say obviously, hopefully there will be one employee there at least 
if not many, um, who are willing to either individually or on a mass basis uh, violate this prohibition against communicating uh, information about abortion. And I presume that they will then be fired. They'll file a lawsuit for wrongful discrimination. They'll file or perhaps even a preemptive lawsuit to get the court to weigh in on the legality of this type of rule from a state university. But that takes a lot of time. And that mm-hmm. takes a lot of effort and resources. And if that doesn't actually happen, and this is allowed to stand, how soon do you think it will be before we're seeing this type of, of, of prescriptive uh, approach to who can discuss this issue spread to other institutions? Oh, it's absolutely going to spread to other institutions. Up until now, a lot of public, uh, publicly funded institutions won't even teach abortion care at all. So you have just, you know, classes of doctors who were coming out of med school not understanding the full range of healthcare. I mean, of course, wait, doctors? Yes, wait, doctors. Wait, I can understand they, not teaching it in a sex ed one on one class, but you said doctors no, are finishing medical school doctors, without knowing how to perform yes. an abortion? OBGYNs? Yes. And some schools, not very many, but there are schools that forbid teaching this stuff. And that is going to become wow. more widespread. And when you talk about the Second Amendment being, you know, the favorite, I just read something this morning, and I'm probably going to get the statistics wrong. But since Bruin, which was that New York guns case that happened last term that said, oh, yeah, actually, no, no states can't really regulate guns, even though they can regulate abortions. Weird. But we've seen something like more laws being struck down on Second Amendment grounds in the last three months than we have since since um dc versus heller which was what 2005 so in the last almost 20 years because there's just no limiting principle anymore so as you are correct the second amendment reigns supreme as for the first amendment the establishment clause and and the freedom of religion sections of the first amendment are going to reign supreme particularly after the supreme court term and this new colorado case where you know some a designer of websites is arguing that she shouldn't have to perform services for lesbian and gay couples, for same-sex couples, because her web design is part of her freedom of speech, right? Mm. So now designing cakes is speech and doing web design is speech, but, be, but talking about abortion and birth control is somehow prohibited? That, that's prior restraint. Wow. Why is that not also a wow. violation of the First Amendment? But it doesn't matter. I mean, the thing is, when you ask questions about well, how long is it going to take for a case to get to the Supreme Court? And my 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 question to you is, does it really even matter? Mm. Right. Because the Supreme Court is not an institution that is going to do the right thing anymore. It used to be that the right thing might actually come from a conservative opinion. It may not have been something that I agree with personally or for, from a matter of constitutional analysis, but I could see how someone would get to that result based on their you know, BS theories about originalism or whatever, I could see where they would get there. There are mm. no principles in these, in these cases that are coming out. Dobbs was an utterly principleless wow. case that destroyed a constitutional right. Brune makes no damn sense when you compare it to abortion rights, but how can you say states can't regulate guns, but states have to regulate abortion, unless it is, as you said, the Second Amendment being way more important than the privacy rights that stem from the 14th Amendment. I mean, mm. it's just, I don't think it matters what this court, I mean, it matters what this court does because it affects our lives. 
But mm -hmm. I don't necessarily matters whether or not important test cases make it to the Supreme Court because those important test cases are never going to go the way of fairness or any sense of constitutional analysis that makes sense in 2022. You know, I'm, I'm seeing online as folks are reacting to to our conversation and we've got Lisa Key who says, I accidentally threw away my birth control pills one month. I went to the pharmacist for a refill. She, the pharmacist, told me it would be one hundred and twenty five dollars because my insurance only covered one per month. Uh, but she did give me a discount card that only gave me fifteen fifteen dollars off my prescription. Not cheap. And this, you know, having miscalculated, you know, if you're using the ring for birth control and you've miscalculate your time and you, I'm, there are so many ways that birth control snafus can happen and your point Imani I think if we were to carry that to its logical conclusion the the idea that it almost doesn't even matter if the Supreme Court is going to get these test cases because we know the Supreme Court is baked in uh, has baked in bias and we know that that is sort of the, the plan so are we we've said before or at least I've said before I think the Supreme Court's illegitimate and it's one thing mm -hmm. when I'm saying it about racial issues because we kind of expect the Supreme Court to be illegitimate. I mean, Dred Scott, anyone, plus E.B. Ferguson, anyone. I mean, yeah. so come on. Like, we, we know on when it comes to issues of race, the Supreme Court is going to be a slave-supporting, uh, slaveocracy-supporting institution. But when it comes to these other areas, when it comes to reproductive justice, women's rights, gender equi equality, or at least gender parity, the idea that the Supreme Court is also illegitimate there, the idea that the Supreme Court is also illegitimate when it comes to whether or not a state can regulate guns but they can't regulate this they can regulate uh that they, or they can't regulate guns but they can't just the reality that we have this now a a precedent path that basically doesn't lead to any predictable understanding as to what the law is doesn't that mm -hmm. basically mean we've we've sort of already reached the point of irrelevancy for the supreme court I, acknowledging that yes it matters because it is the supreme court and it will impact us but once we can sort of as a society say oh no y'all crazy crazy like y'all not just like little mm -hmm. crazy y'all like crazy crazy and the only way you have legitimacy is if we believe in your opinions and we allow them to take effect at a certain point don't we the people have to say okay no no we're, we're not doing this anymore and if that's the case what does that look like oh man i mean it looks like a national strike but we don't have the economic security for the mo the people who will be most impacted by a national strike to survive, right? If I were to win, if I had a billion dollars, I would 100% fund a national strike. Give people, low-income people, people who, who are part of the wage class, give them money enough to survive while they're out in the streets protesting. Because otherwise, mm. unless, unless the uh, Biden expand, Biden or whomever Democrat wins in 24, 2024 expands the court, we are stuck with this illegitimate court. And just, you know, Leading up to last year, part of our editorial goal at Rewire News Group was just to prepare people for the end of Dobbs, for the, for the end of Roe, excuse me, and for Dobbs, the post-Dobbs world. And now this new Supreme Court term is going to be worse than the last one. It's mm -hmm. going to be worse, exponentially mm -hmm. worse, because this is literally the Supreme Court term where, first of all, I want to talk about the Indian Child Welfare Act, which is going to uh, basically start the greatest removal of native children from their families into white homes, into white Christian evangelical homes, mm. stripping these children of their, their tribe connections and their, their cultural connections. This is purposeful. This is purposeful. So that's gonna happen. We've got the case where LGBTQ people are going to be discriminated against by law 
based on religious grounds because people people um, who are Christian evangelical just don't feel like serving gay people. Um, we've got the, we've got the case, the independent state legislature theory, right? This case out of North Carolina, where North Carolina has gerrymandered black people into into the void. And what they want to be able to do, you know, a state Supreme Court struck down that law and North Carolina is saying, no, well, wait a minute, because of the way the elections clause works, we as a state legislature are the only body in this state that is permitted to do anything about election laws. You can't strike down what we do with respect to elections. Now, imagine what that means. That means they can po they can gerrymander even more. They can pass even worse voter suppression laws. And it means that what Trump tried to do on January 6th, which was get states to just propose an alternate slate of electors mm. that were oppositional to the ones that the voters choose, that would become okay because there would be no one to stop them. There would be no state Supreme Court, no federal court that can limit what it is state legislatures want to do with their own elections. That means red states, that means the people who live, who live in red states will literally no longer have a say in their government because it could be that in 2024, Biden and Trump are running against each other. Alabama or North Carolina elects Biden, but then the state legislature says, now nah, we're just gonna give Congress a new slate, slate of electors to approve on January 6th or January 7th or whatever that day will be in 2024. This is really, and then, and then there's affirmative action. Affirmative action is gone, which means that it's going to affect black people's ability to be social mo socially mobile, to achieve higher education. Mm. We know that higher education correlates to social mobility and economic security. This is a systematic attempt to erase black and brown people from society, to erase women from society, right? If you don't let women access birth control, if you don't let women access abortion, it means that they are forced to become mothers. Pregnant people are forced to become parents, and that removes them from a lot of opportunities for social mobility. It is a absolute backward slide into almost medieval versions of what gender roles should be. And that should, and that's happening this term. And that should really scare the crap out of everyone. So, you know, Imani, um, there are not many guests that when they come on the Larry Daniel Favors show, I feel like I need a drink uh, afterwards. Uh, <laughs> Let's have some mimosas. So some breakfast so, wine. <laughs> the, the fact that uh, you are one of the only guests who has this effect on me, I think speaks to the, the stellar nature of your legal analysis. Uh, and frankly, and maybe it's because, you know, of, of my own personal feelings right now. I'm, I am uh, about to be at this conference where we're going to have this. I know there's a whole segment on the Supreme Court forecasting of what is coming this term. Um, and y'all, when I get back next week and I share with y'all what is forecasted to happen this term, we just have to be clear. Every Every single thing that Imani just laid out is happening right now. Every single, and, and so you, you heard all the groups that she mentioned there. So the Indian Child Welfare Act, that's our indigenous community. Affirmative action, that's all the non-whites uh, and wet, white women. Uh, so all non-white men and white women. Um, the, the, the primacy over of this, uh, the Second Amendment, the primacy of, of gun rights over everything. They've already come for education. They've come for the LGBT community. And it's not just about whether or not they can adopt or foster children. It's do I even have to serve you? I could be making widgets. Mm -hmm. Do I have to sell you my widget and trust and believe? I know some of y'all super religious folks out there, right? 
right now where they shouldn't be doing the gay. Let me tell you something. Once they are able to take those rights away from gay people, they going to do the blacks next, honey. So they it, are it's, coming for black people. Absolutely. They are Interracial marriage is on the chopping block. And if you think Clarence Thomas won't dissolve his own marriage in order Girl. to promote miscegenation, <laughs> I have, I got, I, we need to talk. That man would divorce his wife in a heartbeat if it meant that anti-miscegenation laws could once again be legal. So, yeah, I mean, to the extent that you don't agree, quote unquote, agree with that lifestyle, whatever that may mean for you, know that it does not stop with gay folks. And that's why I know generally the black community, you know, back when Proposition 8 happened in California, they tried to try to blame black people for it when really it was a failure of organization. We need to draw these connections. If you have conversations with people in the community, draw the connections between the attack on trans rights and the attack on abortion and the attack on voting. It's all the same attack, right? Mm. Putting more people in, incarcerating more people makes it more difficult for them to vote. It makes it easier for Republicans to win. It's all the same thing. We are all so linked up in this together. And that's why we just have to, we have to make our fight intersectional. We have to fight for everybody at all angles. Otherwise mm. we're all gonna lose. Well, Hope you're all having a lovely Wednesday morning because Imani just <laughs> dropped the hammer. Can we get a boom, a bang, a ding, applause, or something? I need some some sound effect to punctuate that point. <laughs> oh my God. I, I love that we can laugh about this now because I fear that it's not too far off, Imani, when we may have to cackle about this around a fire in a cave somewhere with a COVID of women <laughs> who have just gathered to unify our uterus spirit power to take over the world. Girl, because it's just and hell. that might be what does it honestly because i know i just dropped a lot of horrible crap on your listeners but i'm you know you hear my voice i'm positive i am i'm actually positive and optimistic because yes everything is falling apart but it gives us an opportunity to build better things and to talk to more mm. people and to figure out where people's inflection points are at so yeah mm. it sucks right now but i'm kind of joyful about it like not about the fact that it sucks but just joyful generally because there's so much to be done and so many new people to meet and to reach and to convince to join this fight. So don't despair, but yeah, maybe a breakfast, you know, mimosa <laughs> might be in order. <laughs> so despite the fact that hell is upon us, um, we got fire hoses. We've got our organizing yep. power. We've got our ability to learn about what's happening from experts like you, which is really part of the battle. I never forget that when I was thinking about whether or not I should do this show, my husband was like, dude, you're an activist and you're talking about whether or not you should take one of the biggest microphones in the country. Are you crazy? Imani, mm -hmm. we appreciate yeah. you. <laughs> oh, we appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you, you too. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.